Welcome back to the G3 Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Bice, and today we're going to talk about the subject of expository preaching. Expository preaching is verse-by-verse preaching through the Bible, and, and this subject is important not just for pastors, not just for those who are actually engaged in biblical preaching, but also for the whole church. We need to understand why expository preaching is necessary for the local church. And as we think about this subject, we need to think biblically. We need to point to text of Scripture, and we need to model our convictions and shape our convictions according to God's Word. So why is it that we actually put a focus on expository preaching within the ministries of G3? Uh, again, we, we do this on purpose because we believe that the health of the church is connected to the health of the pulpit. It was James Stewart who said that the purpose of genuine preaching is, quote, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, to devote the will to the purpose of God, end quote. So preaching involves taking God's word and proclaiming it to the hearts and the minds of people. And again, expository preaching, this idea of verse-by-verse preaching, is not just one way to preach the Bible, it's actually the way to preach the Bible. Consider what Louis Burkhoff said. He said, quote, Strictly speaking, it may be said that the true preaching of the Word and its recognition as the standard of doctrine in life is the one mark of the church. Without it, there is no church. End quote. Now, when you hear Burkhoff make that statement, again, what he's saying is that when we think about what a true church actually is, we need to understand that there are different different marks of a genuine, authentic church, historically speaking, and scholars and theologians throughout history have looked to those various marks and put preaching as the primary mark. Uh, again, if if you don't have biblical preaching, then you can't have a church. So when we approach the pulpit, the functionality of the pulpit matters. Preaching is not just one of the functions of the church. It is by far the most important thing that the church does. So if you get preaching wrong, everything else will be contaminated at some level because everything else in the life of the church ebbs and flows according to the pulpit ministry. It was Martin Lloyd-Jones the great preacher years ago in in London who said the following, quote, The most urgent need in the Christian church today is true preaching. And as it is the greatest and most urgent need in the church, it is the greatest need in the world also. End quote. So according to Lloyd-Jones, that in his day, as he looked at the, the culture at large, he felt that the most urgent need of the church was true preaching. True preaching. So what exactly is true preaching? Preaching actually is worship. And as the pulpit goes, so goes the church. And so we need to be passionate and we need to be we need to be very focused on what the definition of true preaching actually is. So today I'm excited to have Tom Buck with me, who oversees the G3 Expository Preaching Workshops. 
He serves as the pastor of First Baptist Church in Lindell, Texas. And so welcome to the G3 Podcast, Tom. Josh, it's great to be with you today. Thank you, brother. Yeah, absolutely. As we think about the importance of G3 putting a priority upon the pulpit and you know, seeking to encourage pastors and to strengthen the, the health of local churches, we're going to be having a workshop coming up very soon in, in March, March 16th and 17th in Lindell, Texas with yourself and Vody Bauckham. T- just take a, a moment, if you would, and explain why it is that pastors should consider coming to that workshop. Well, the purpose of our workshops is to help equip guys to rightly handle the Word of God, to sharpen their exegetical skills. And preaching's a difficult job, as you know. We we do this week in and week out, and rarely do we take a break. You know, we get out of seminary, uh, many of us. Some bivocational pastors haven't even gone to seminary, and we're just trying to keep up every week preaching. And I, I just encourage guys that they need to take the time to sharpen their exegetical skills. Maybe some guys haven't even learned how to uh, do good biblical exegesis to prepare a sermon. So I use I often use the illustration of, you know, you can chop down a tree uh, and, and continue to do that with your axe, but if your axe becomes dull, uh, you need to take the time to sharpen that axe so that you can be more effective, more efficient with your work. I think the same thing is true uh, in preaching. These workshops allow us to come together and work through a book of the Bible and sharpen those skills and go back prepared to to better handle the Word of God in our pulpits. Absolutely. Yeah, so I've been a part of those workshops as well. I've had the privilege to lead one, and it is it's a lot of, of fun, really, to be honest. I mean, to come together with fellow pastors in various contexts, to be able to encourage one another, to make friends and fellowship around the workshop, but then to actually dig into and see how fellow pastors are handling the text and then to be able to learn how to sharpen those skills so that you will become a better preacher, massively encouraging and very helpful. I agree. In fact, it's one of my favorite things that I do. Uh, and the other thing is you, when you go to these workshops, you walk away taking something home with you. You, If you're studying like we'll be studying through the book of Colossians, if you come to that workshop, you'll leave prepared to begin to preach that. Uh, you'll have the skeleton at the very least with a little bit of flesh on the bones. And you'll be able to go back and uh, in a short period of time, hopefully, be able to start preaching through Colossians. Uh, I mean, just think how valuable that is when we're trying to preach through books of the Bible, that we get to go sit with other guys and work through that book and come to understand it better. Well, let's talk a bit today about preaching and, and let's think through why it is that we would make the case that expository preaching is a necessity for the local church. So take just a moment. To, to help us think through what expository preaching actually is. Because as we think through preaching, we must remember, preaching is not teaching, preaching is not discussion, preaching is not a lecture, but expository preaching stands really on the shoulders of teaching, but it does something more than just lecturing or giving a running commentary of the text. So help us think through what expository preaching actually is. Well, I would define expository preaching with four elements. So expository preaching first discovers the original point of a biblical text. That's where we begin. Secondly, it then makes that original point the central point of the sermon. Thirdly, it declares the truth in a way that listeners can understand. So there's got to be a certain 
you got to craft that sermon in such a way that they can understand what you're saying and it's clear. And then finally, and what's often missed but important, it makes application to their lives that I would say is rooted in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. So when we think about expository preaching, just to be clear, it's verse-by-verse preaching through the Bible, and we're not coming up with a topic or just watching the news or looking at the newspaper or whatever it might be, something that pops up on our iPhone as we scroll through our you know timeline on Instagram, and we come up with a topic, and then we go to the Bible in search of a text to support that topic. Uh, that's not biblical preaching, right? Yeah, I would make one clarification, and I would say that um, uh, biblical exposition, I believe verse by verse, is the best means by which for us to practice exposition. I do think it's possible for us to go to any random text and be able to preach it rightly if we understand it in its context, if we understand in the whole message of the book. Um, but you're right, it just going and grabbing a topic and then going and looking for some key words in a passage that we think will support that topic is where, where the problem is. Uh, a lot of people think that what we mean is that you have to preach verse by verse through the book. And maybe we talk about that a little bit later, uh, about why we would say that's best. But just clearly in, the, in a basic definition of expositional preaching, you can pick any uh, passage in its context in the Bible and preach it expositionally. Yeah. And our world is starving. In fact, the church itself is starving to hear from God and to hear the voice of God. And then there's all this, you know, mysticism that floats around on Facebook and social media where people, you know, are hearing from God or hearing voices of God claiming that God told them. And people are hungry to hear what God says. But it was Calvin who said it best years ago when he said, where the Bible speaks, God speaks. And so the best way for a church, for individual believers to hear God is to actually hear God speak through his word. So faithful, rigid, biblical exposition actually accomplishes that. But an expository sermon will have many component parts, such as proclamation, explanation, confrontation, exhortation, correction, persuasion, motivation, edification, illustration, and application. All of that's going to come through an expository sermon. And will, you know, again, the text is is always going to determine the topic that's preached because it's that very text that's being uh, brought forth to the people by the preacher who's been working in the text. And so the text drives the topic rather than the topic driving the text. Absolutely agree. When we think about expository preaching, oftentimes people have seen really poor models of it. They've, they've heard really good commentary shared from the pulpit, and, and it's verse by verse, but it's really not genuine preaching, right? It's different to take your notes into the pulpit and just simply read those notes and talk about, you know, the Greek vocabulary and, you know, a specific verb and and talk about what verse it is. And then to go, you know, point by point, verse by verse through that text, but yet not preach the text. It was William Hendrickson years ago that said, genuine preaching means that the sermon is lively, not dry, timely, not stale. It is the earnest proclamation of the great news initiated by God, end quote. So talk to us just for a moment about the, the, the need for urgency and passion in our exposition. 
Well, I think that it's good, sound biblical exposition that gives you the urgency and the passion. So um, I either have to work up urgency and passion. If I working up urgency and passion, I think is what guys try to do when they take something that's on, that's on the front page of the news. And of course, times has changed, so I guess it's the front page of the internet. But um, and they then try to use that to uh, help people see the urgency and, and, and passion that's needed in preaching or, or to listen to preaching. The reason I say that it'll create that is because when I take the time to understand what God has said, and I then preach the word and say, thus says the Lord, when I can stand in the pulpit and say, this is actually what God has said. This is not my idea. This is not a modern concept, but God has taught, has given an internal truth, which you need as much today as when he originally said it, and here's why preaching that. I, that creates a boldness. It creates an urgency it, because I can literally say, this is what God says to you. I, I can bind people's consciences, not with my own ideas, but bind their consciences with the, the holy word, authoritative word of God. So I think you're going to be a better preacher. You're going to be a more urgent preacher, as you're talking about if we begin to understand that we've got to derive our point from God's point, because God always has something more important to say than I do. Amen. When it comes to biblical preaching, we need good examples, and then sometimes it's helpful to have really bad examples, too, to see what not to do or what not to say or what not to believe about preaching. And in this case, I'm going to share a quote from Andy Stanley that was taken from an interview that he did with Ed Stetzer back in 2009. And I'm just going to read this paragraph where he is asked a question. Ed Stetzer asks Andy Stanley, what do you think about preaching verse-by-verse messages through books of the Bible? Okay, now listen to how Andy Stanley responds to that question, and then I want you to comment on it. He says, quote, guys that preach verse-by-verse through books of the Bible, that is just cheating. It's cheating because that would be easy, first of all. That isn't how you grow people. No one in the scripture modeled that. There's not one example of that. All scripture is equally inspired, but not all scripture is equally applicable or relevant to every stage of life. My challenge is to read culture and to read an audience and ask, what is the felt need? Or perhaps, what is more important, what is an unfelt need that they need to feel that I can address? Because if they don't feel it, then they won't address it, end quote. Now, there's an awful lot said in that statement, obviously, but what do you think when you hear someone like Andy Stanley, a very influential voice and leader within evangelical circles, teaching other pastors and and suggesting that verse-by-verse preaching is actually cheating? What would you say about that? Well, I try to be a little bit fair when I hear him saying that. What am I? What is he saying? And I think what he's saying is that pastors like yourself and I, who we say we're going to preach through the Gospel of John. And so every week we work with the next uh, pericope that we're going to uh, handle, and we try to understand what God is saying in that passage. We're not spending time um, uh, researching every trend in the world. Uh, we're not trying to come up with the best graphic, the, bre- the best you know, sermon series title that'll grasp someone's attention with some kind of a provocative statement. And so I think that's what he's saying on the cheating part, that he does the really hard work. He examines the his culture. He tries to understand uh, his people. 
where they are. He tries to come up with a five-part series on X, Y, or Z that's going to be um, enticing to people to hear. Well, a couple of problems with that. You can't find that example in Scripture either. I don't see anywhere in Scripture. First of all, we just don't have that. We don't have anywhere in Scripture where there's an example of somebody preaching verse through verse through anything, uh, per se, uh, although we do have examples of passages of Scripture. I'm talking about verse by verse through an entire book of the Bible. Um, we, but we also don't have these ways of preaching that he does exemplified in Scripture, where you do a five-part series on how to be happier in life through you know, uh, investing your money wisely. I mean, he does that kind of thing. Uh, so um, I think what I think when I hear that is he doesn't understand how to rightly handle the Word of God. He doesn't understand that God knows your audience far better than you think you do, and that the Bible assesses both man's problems and the and also the um, solution for man's problems in a way that Andy Stanley could never assess, nor you and I could assess. Now, I want to take a challenge from him that I do need to understand the audience to whom I'm speaking so that I can clearly articulate uh, in application. I mean, that's where application comes in. Um, I may need to emphasize certain things in application to the audience I'm preaching to, um, but he spends far more time exegeting his audience than he does the scriptures. Absolutely. In fact, in the Bible, we have examples of of people like Paul, for instance, who you know declared that he had preached the whole counsel of God's word. He had not withheld, you know, himself from preaching the the word of God. So he's preaching the word of truth. He's uh, he's he's digging into the text and and proclaiming what God has said. He's not looking at the culture and trying to preach the culture. And then, of course, he tells Timothy to preach the word, not preach the culture. You know, so the idea is that as we read the scriptures, we're seeing examples of expositional preaching modeled to us and encouraged um, or commanded in various places, like Paul to Timothy. But also we'll see like Peter preaching at Pentecost, in many ways, that's an expositional sermon. At least, you know, we don't have the full transcript, but what we do see in Holy Scripture, we see an expositional model that's put forth before us. So, yeah, I, I think Andy Stanley is is trying to say that he's doing the hard work. I think you're right there, that he's doing the hard work of trying to discern what's happening in the culture so that he can address that and be relevant. So I think what he's trying to say is that uh, it's cheating for us to do verse-by-verse preaching because we know where we're going to be next week, and we don't have to do the hard work of looking at all of the the cultural trends. Um, But at the end of the day, he's also communicating that expository preaching is not relevant. And we would say that that is absolutely not true, that uh, that that the word of God is absolutely relevant. It's more relevant than the the morning's newspaper, for instance. And so we need to understand that God's word transcends all culture and all trends and all peoples. And so God's word is to be proclaimed with authority, and it's it's absolutely relevant. Yeah, think about what you just said there. I think you're right that uh, that ex- he thinks that expositional preaching is not relevant. If God's word, if if Scripture is breathed out by God and it's the words of God, then he's saying that God's voice is not relevant. How can you say that? Um, so when we do verse by verse preaching, which I think is the best uh, way to do sound exposition based on the definition we've given. 
we are doing the hard work to make sure that what we're saying is actually what God has said. So here's an interesting thought about this. You want to be, you want to be, I think you're far more culturally relevant, if you will, when you preach God's word and address things. Uh, when's the last time that you heard someone um, give a series of messages, two or three messages in a row, whatever, on incest? When's the last time you heard that? I don't, have you heard that from Andy Stanley? Absolutely not. No. Who's going to do that? You know, hey, come this next three weeks, we're going to have a series on incest. But if you preach through the word of God and you're in the Old Testament, are you going to cover that? You most certainly are. Are we so uh, out of touch to, to think that there might not be people in our audience who actually are dealing with those very things? Isn't it interesting that the people who cry the most about how we need to protect the abused and all of these other things want to avoid passages that clearly will expose those type of things? So I think we're doing a much more hard work because we have to preach passages of Scripture that are not going to be easy to preach, that require us to be very careful in how we think about preaching that from the pulpit, applying it, being sensitive in how we talk about it, but being bold in how we talk about it. The lazy person is the person who week in and week out opens Google and finds out what the co- uh, the current trend is and says, I'll speak to that, and then pulls the passage out of context to say something about it. That's real laziness in my opinion. Yeah. And in fact, I mean, Andy Stanley is the, is the very one who has said we need to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. So he's obviously not going to be preaching the Old Testament text and pointing to the law of God and talking about how the Word of God is relevant to deal with various different subjects like these things that we're facing in our present day. And that's because of various reasons, not just because of his lack of commitment to expository preaching. But again, the Bible is relevant and it must be preached word by word and verse by verse, phrase by phrase, line by line on purpose because it will deal with all of these cultural problems, the, the, the situations that we're seeing even within the social justice controversies. All of it is going to be addressed if we just preach the Bible. So beyond the, the relevancy of expositional preaching, let's talk a moment about evangelistic preaching. Because an awful lot of people think about preaching, they think that, you know, if you're going to do expositional preaching, that's really just for discipleship, but it really doesn't accomplish evangelism. Now, I'm going to share a quote from our brother, a man that we greatly respect, Ian Murray, who in 2018, in a, in a specific article titled, A Caution of Expository Preaching, now he writes the following, listen to what he says. He says, evangelistic preaching does not best fit the expository mode. In fact, where the expository is exclusively used, true evangelistic preaching to heart and conscience commonly disappears, end quote. Now, as we think about what Ian Murray is writing there, obviously, um, I have massive respect for my brother, Ian Murray, who is a gifted gifted preacher, who's a gifted uh, author, but yet I disagree with what he's saying here. Uh, he He's actually making an argument that expository preaching is not the best way to do evangelistic preaching. But yet when we turn to the Word of God, we see in 1 Peter one twenty three it says, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. So it is the Word of God that actually causes us, by the Spirit of God, to be born again. 
And yet Romans 10, 17 is clear. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. I think the best way to preach the Bible is expository preaching. And yet I think when you preach expositional sermons and you preach, you actually preach the text, not just talk the text or lecture the text, I think that it is absolutely crucial that we point people to Jesus Christ and we evangelize. For on any given Sunday morning, at least in our context, we have guests who are sitting out there. We, we should never assume that they're right with God. And we should always be, be pointing people to Jesus Christ and pointing people to repent and to believe the gospel. And I think that when we're preaching expository sermons, we can do that every single week. So, Tom, talk to us a little bit about what Ian Murray is trying to communicate there and how we as expositors can be very evangelistic as we rightly handle the word of truth. Well, part of the problem is, is that, that we don't, and I haven't seen the article, but uh, I did not hear you uh, state for me and Murray how he defines expository preaching. So I think that would be what I would want to ask him. How do you define it? Uh, I believe, and I think you probably maybe have experienced or would agree, that there is preaching that's been called expository that's dry, that's nothing but, you know, going word by word, giving all these details about what each word means with little to no power, energy, or application to it. Um, if that's what he's talking about, then I would say that's not only uh, unhelpful for evangelism, it's unhelpful for discipling. It's not good at all. But if you take the definition that we're talking about, again, the four parts, discovering the original point of a biblical text, making it the central point of the sermon, declaring that truth in a way that listeners can understand, so working on the, the communication side of it, and then making application to their lives that's rooted in the personal work of Jesus Christ, I don't see how that can be the case because each and every time you're pointing them to understand how do you point back to Christ to understand this main point of the text. So let's take uh, let's take Paul or uh, Peter. You mentioned earlier, not you mentioned this not just a moment ago for First Peter, but going back to the Book of Acts uh, when Peter preaches in, in in Acts chapter two, he directly quotes he quotes a couple of different passages, but one of the passages he quotes is Joel chapter two verses twenty eight to thirty two, and one of the things that I did uh, when I was working on my dissertation. Uh, on expository preaching is I took Peter's sermon and I went back to Joel 2, 28 to 32, and I studied that text in its original context. What was the original point of Joel 2? And then I examined whether that's what Peter did. Well, I'm not going to, we don't have the time to go through all of this, but I found that the exact central point that Joel was addressing in Joel chapter 2, that Peter was then making that the central point of his sermon and then he applies it in an evangelistic way where 3,000 plus get saved that day. I'd say that's a fairly good uh, result of evangelistic preaching. And he is preaching, he is using, his entire sermon is grounded in biblical exposition. He does the same thing with the psalm that he uses in that sermon. So, uh, and again, we don't have time to go through it, but that's exactly what he does. So I disagree with Ian Murray. I'm assuming that what he's done is he's he's using expository preaching in that dry uh, type of expository preaching, which is not expository, um, in this dry word-by-word uh, -word explanation of the text that never brings that to bear upon people's lives to call them to repent and believe in Christ. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we might could argue that it's expository in the sense that it's verse-by-verse, -verse, 
or verse-by-verse teaching or verse-by-verse lecturing, but it's certainly not verse-by-verse preaching. Uh, expository preaching does something different. It's It functions differently than just merely lecturing through the commentary of the text. And so you, you are actually seeking to move people in preaching. You're actually seeking to persuade them, to motivate them. You are urging them to act upon what the text actually says. And, and again, we need that model today. And that's one of the, the, the goals of G3 Ministries is to help encourage uh, faithful, you know, passionate, expository preaching for the glory of God to help encourage local churches to be strong and healthy. Now, as we think about this type of preaching, we have some historic examples and we have some modern examples as well. Let's consider if we can, just for a moment, even the preaching of the Reformers. You think about Luther's preaching. Between 1510 and 1546, Luther preached approximately 4,000 sermons. I mean, that's astounding. He's preaching several times each week, you know, often two or more times in a given day. So that was Luther's preaching. That was the way that he approached the pulpit. And these sermons were often, you know, uh, very much expositional. That They were focused on expositing the Word. Luther actually referred to the Word of God as the external Word uh, because, you know, again, God is external. And it's this idea that it's it's not something that originates within the heart of man. It's external. And so he's going to the Word, he's expositing what the Word says, and then he's urging the people to believe and to obey. And then yet we might say that that the the high mark of expository preaching within the the Reformation era was undoubtedly Calvin's preaching. When we think about his preaching, it was relentless expositional preaching. If we look to his sermon series through Acts, he he begins this series in 1549 and he completed it in 1554. He preached 46 sermons through 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. He preached 186 sermons through 1st and 2nd Corinthians. He preached 86 sermons through the pastoral epistles. His series through Galatians was 43 sermons. He preached 48 sermons through Ephesians and 159 sermons through Job. Now let's just stop and ask a question. When was the last time we've heard an expository sermon from Job? And yet Calvin preached 159 sermons through Job. His series through Deuteronomy was 200 sermons. Uh, From Isaiah, he preached 353 sermons. And then from Genesis, he preached 123 sermons in total. And yet... As we think about his pulpit, it stands even today as as an ex, a wonderful example of expository preaching, but also a treasure for us to go back and look to and see how Calvin handled the Word of God, because he was giving himself to rigid exposition. So these are, are wonderful examples for us, undoubtedly. Let's think about modern examples. Who are some preachers that, that have impacted you or left an indelible mark upon you? Well, I would say, without a doubt, and I'm not just saying this because it's our workshop coming up, but Vody Bauckham has, has I, I, I am hard-pressed to find anybody that handles the Word of God more faithfully and does good biblical exposition. That is the type we're talking about, of being um, um, clear with what the text says, calling people to, uh, to obedience to the text, 
showing you, demonstrating in his preaching, which I think is important in expositional preaching, that he's getting his ideas from the text. Um, I'm hard-pressed to find anybody that does it better than him. I love to hear him preach the Word of God. And what does he do that that helps you understand, like, what, what, what are some some methods that he employs that help you understand the text well as he delivers it? There's a style that he's approaching the text through as far as his delivery is concerned, and it's unique, it's really good, and it's helpful. In fact, when he, when he writes about this very methodology, this idea of expository apologetics, so what does that mean? So he's using a lot of, of Q&A, is he not? So he's he'll, he'll ask a question, and then he will answer that question. And I find that to be extremely helpful. Yeah, and, and, he'll, not, and, and he'll ask the question by including pointing them to the text to cause them to look at what the text is saying and then explains it. And I think that's a big, important point in expositional preaching because we have folks that come in They'll open their Bibles, and then they'll close their Bibles and listen to you preach. And one of the things that I try to do in preaching, and then even learning from Bodhi, is to constantly be pointing people back to the text, ask questions that cause them to have to look at the text, because that's where the authority comes from. Um, and you're teaching people, even in your preaching, you're teaching them how to study their own Bibles. You're teaching them that the preacher's under the authority of the Word of God. You're teaching them that God's voice is more important than your voice. You're teaching them that you're not going to bind their conscience to anything that God hasn't bound their conscience to. And I think that is so important, and guys would, would do well to listen to Vody preach just to learn from that. Not just, It's not just his delivery, as you're saying. It is his method by which he causes reminds people to gauge the text. So I will often say from the pulpit, if I'm going to reference a passage, I'm like, folks, look at the Word of God. It's more important that you see what God's Word says than even hearing my voice. You've, because if we believe that the Word of God is living, active, alive, then we believe that there that this is a means by which uh, that the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to uh, transform people's lives. Uh, the Holy Spirit ultimately is not using Tom Buck's words. The Holy Spirit is using the Word of God, and my sermons are authoritative and helpful and powerful insofar as much, whatever, that may be a Tennessee thing I just threw in there, but uh, insofar that I am tethered to the text. And when I untether from the text, I am drifting in some very bad directions. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And as we think about other examples I would I would put before people John MacArthur as really in in my estimation I think probably our modern day Calvin when you think about his approach to the pulpit how he's given himself to just relentless exposition through the years uh, in one pulpit continuously proclaiming the Word of God and and often you know in my own study it's a very rare thing that I don't at some point, consult what John MacArthur has written about that passage of Scripture just to help me think through the actual exposition of that text. So, wonderful example. Again, you can find his resources at gty.org, and that's the ministry of grace to you. And again, if I'm if I'm going to send someone from our church or someone that's talking to me and asks me, you know, like, I'm really serious about studying for 
the pulpit ministry and to give myself to faithful biblical exposition, there are very few places that I would want to send them. One of the places that I would encourage them to consider and to pray through would be to to go to the master's seminary and to be trained for biblical expositional preaching. So this is extremely important and we need to think through, you know, the way that we preach matters. God has called us to be rightly handling the word of God and and we should do this for the glory of God. Now, as we as we come to a close, Tom, what are some resources, maybe some books that you would point people to that are helpful as we think through the the importance of expository preaching and to help us better handle the word of God in our own, you know, week by week preaching of the scriptures? Well, I think uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, book, uh, Preaching and Preachers, you'll have to help me with some of the names because I d- uh, meant to write this down and and, and did not. Uh, Stott's book, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the title of it. Between Two Worlds. Um, Between Two Worlds, I think, is an excellent book. Um, I would say uh, anything that you can get and read of Martin Lloyd-Jones sermons are so helpful because, you know, kind of going back to what Ian Murray said, I mean, I nobody was verse by verse any more than Martin Lloyd Jones, and when you read him, it's powerfully evangelistic. Um, so I, uh, I think again, as you said, commentaries and MacArthur pretty much his sermons. Um, I think that r- reading people's expositional sermons are extremely helpful because you get a model there, and uh, so it's one thing to have a book that instructs, uh, which is good. And it's another thing to see it modeled, and, and those are some some things I would recommend. I think above all, and I'm not again. I know it's going to sound like you know I'm, it's self serving for us, but there's nothing better than these workshops. Uh, you can read. I would if you never read a book, you come to the workshop, and you're going to get the tools that that you need uh, for that. Uh, before we part, I do want to just give three quick theological reasons, if that's okay for. Uh, expositional preaching and why I believe based on our definition of that. So the first one I would say is because if we believe the Bible's inspired and inerrant, that it's really God's word, that every word is God's word, uh, then my congregants need to hear God's voice. And the only way they can hear God's voice is if I'm sure that what I'm saying is what he originally said. Secondly, um, I not only believe the Bible's inspired and inerrant, but I believe it's sufficient and authoritative. So it, God has said everything that needs to be said that will speak into every situation, every of life, everything that I need to hear uh, in a discipleship or an evangelistic way is completely and sufficiently in God's Word. And the third thing I would say is that it's immensely powerful. So take Hebrews 4, chapter 12, uh, talking about the Word of God sharper than any double-edged sword. I'll ask you, I think you'll know this question, answer this question the same I will, Josh. Has there ever been any word that you've spoken, even if you've crafted the best sentence in the world in your sermon, you've gone through and thought through how to make the most poignant thought, uh, argument, the most careful statement, the most memorable line, have you ever crafted anything like that that's as powerful as God's Word? No, absolutely not. That's why Paul said that he doesn't come with the eloquence of man's wisdom or cleverly constructed cliches, if you will. He came with the word of truth, right? Absolutely. And I'm not saying we shouldn't take time to be clear. I said that it needs to be preached in a way that the audience can understand and even memorable. And that's part of understanding. But I think the best crafted statements are those that when people leave, it doesn't cause them to think most about the little 
quip that you gave, but whatever statement you made helps them better understand that particular passage of Scripture. And I think there's far too many people that leave that what's in their minds are the little you know, statements I've crafted or a story that I tell that is uh, in the sermon that did not necessarily serve the text well. So everything that we say needs to serve the text, to emphasize the text, help people understand the text, because that's what's powerful. It's extremely important for us to bring people to the Word of God because it's the Word of God that will shape them. It is the Word of God that will change them. It is the Word of God that will ultimately save them if they're if they're lost. And so we need to be preaching the Word and keep our sermons saturated with Scripture, uh, because again, that's what's going to... Uh, bring people's hearts to a place that honors God. It will actually shape their the, the whole of their life uh, in general. So again, really important stuff here today as we think about expository preaching. Tom, thank you for joining us. Josh, it's great to be with you today. Thank you, brother. Well, thank you for joining us for this edition of the G3 Podcast. We want to point you to our website, g3men.org. You can find resources and articles on a daily basis from our website. You can also find out more information about the upcoming G3 National Conference, which will be held in Atlanta, Georgia, September 30th through October the 2nd. We will also be giving some more information very soon about the pre-conference, which will happen on the 29th of September, that Wednesday. And you'll want to find out information about that to make sure that you're going to be in town so that you can partake in that pre-conference as well. You can follow us on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And you can look for those various announcements coming very soon. Again, we look forward to seeing you next time on the G3 Podcast. May God bless you.